right, y'all. Welcome to Break the Money Curse. It's your boy Drew. It's your boy D Money. How's it going, man? Man, it's going. It's going. Uh, it's going pretty good. Well, I don't know, man. I, I made a. <sighs> this is why you have to stick to like your goals. I I, I did something kind of dumb. Mm. I don't know if you heard about you know Trump and he released like his own spat. Um, I think the ticker symbol is DWAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ba- basically, uh, the SPAC is going crazy. It's up 118% today. Mm. So yesterday, it was up like 200%. So I invested a little bit of money in it uh, earlier today. And then, uh, of course, as soon as I invest the money in it, what happens? It drops. Of course it does. So then I just sold out of it. That was- but, you know, it was, only, it was only a couple hundred dollars. So you know, very small percentage, but it just reminded me, I think I lost like $150, but it just reminded me like, look, man, just stick to what you know, stick to your goals. Don't get caught up in the the FOMO. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that wasn't a disciplined move. Um, it wasn't. And you know, you do, you have to do those things every once in a while. It's like me and the, the lucid, right? The CCIV, which <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been holding, and it's one of my few stocks that has consistently underperformed because uh, they yeah. haven't delivered any cars. But you know, it was a big deal when they were they were supposed to merge with Churchill Capital and go public, and you know we were all supposed to make all this money. Um, but I'm holding on to it and watching it just fizzle away. I'm hoping when you know when they deliver a car, finally, I'll start making my money back. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, it, so, is, it is that good reminder. It is a good reminder to just be like, uh, let me, uh, let me just stick to to what I know. Stick to my, stick to the process. So, honest, so after the GameStop fiasco earlier this year, I started following a bunch of those groups. Um, you know that that you know the AMCers and there's a lot of those groups on, uh, you know, whether it's the Reddit or. I follow a lot of them on Facebook. Uh, and honestly, it's just, you know, for a short time, I would, you know, in, I would research some of the stuff they were posting, but I'm actually going to unfollow them because it's just so much noise. And it's, it's you know, and there's so many undisciplined people that's just like trying to make something happen out of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's, it's momentum, man. That's, it's, it's no, it's not, um, Uh, a sound investment is not like these stocks are not going up based on any type of fundamentals it's really just momentum and Mm -hmm. honestly like when i invested in the dwac earlier it was just really on momentum it was not looking at financials nothing yep you know so i was just trying to ride that way you know so yeah you can easily get caught up into it so it's good that if if you sometimes you just have to disconnect yourself so you won't be tempted you know to even look at that stuff or even get caught up in that right well you live and you learn right yeah yeah definitely so uh we're we're a couple months out from christmas right uh, yes we are it's coming fast <laughs> and furious and we were talking offline just now for a minute about you know how typically november around as you get close to black friday people that usually spend that tend to spend a lot of money on christmas this is the time type of year that they really start shopping right yeah yeah this yeah this is time they're, they're starting putting their money their stuff on layaway or maybe even before this but this is when yeah people are are looking to try to get those deals for christmas probably going into debt right 
yeah that's the unfortunate part so actually shopping early is a good idea this year it's funny i told you the other day i was going to san pedro right and mm -hmm. every time i go uh every time i go to san pedro my mind is blown because that's that's uh i have to drive by the port of la and that's where all the container ships are docked and you just see hundreds and hundreds um of trailers just st stacked up with <laughs> our christmas gifts the halloween decorations are still sitting out on those docks and there's so many ships ships out there yeah so you know the concern is that there's not going to be um you know there's going to be a shortage of, you know there's going to continue to be shortages of products leading up to christmas so the things that you want you might not be able to get when the real shopping frenzy starts so it's a good way to it's a good idea if you have a lot of christmas gifts to buy to start shopping now but not if it's going to put you in debt if it's going to put you in debt then maybe you need to rethink how you're going to do christmas there's other ways to make christmas special without uh going broke right yeah definitely i mean the real reason of christmas is not even exchanging the gifts man you know what i'm saying like let's get back to the real reason of christmas you know i was even talking to one of my family members, uh, this was last year, and they wanted to buy presents for my kids, but I know they're deep in debt, you know, and it's just like, look, it would be present enough not to get them something. I know you want to buy something, but you really don't have it. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's yeah. just spend time with them. Like, that's more valuable. I know they're going to like the gifts, and even I can maybe give it a gift and say it's from you or whatever, but it's just like, we need to get our mind right when it comes to, like, the holidays because the holidays is really not about giving gifts and i know it's nice to do that but mm -hmm. if you ain't got it man you ain't got it and honestly yeah. the way i shop for christmas is i shop all throughout the year like for christmas like if i see a sale like i bought christmas gifts like early in the summer when amazon prime day was happening or like earlier this year you know, and that's just the easiest, no stress way to shop, you know, for yeah. for for Christmas. So And also, um, so I um like I think I shared this when we talked about the broke mindset, but you know, my family has always been really big, like Christmas is really big, especially when I go home to Chicago and everybody spends so much money. So one thing that we started doing a few years back is just do the um the name the name exchange right so you you set your budget mm -hmm. whether it's 50 bucks 100 bucks and um yep. i think the website there's a website drawnames.com or something like that you go in there put everybody's name they get emailed anonymously whose name they get you upload your list of what you want um and boom so you know it, it makes it fun because there's a surprise of like who got your name on christmas and then you're also not getting a bunch of crap that you don't want it's yeah. it's you're getting exactly you can upload the link on amazon or whatever to exactly what you're looking for and there you have it um and then everybody's not broke and then i also think just like making the day special you know whether it's you know the food that you're cooking um and just bringing everybody together but we need to change our mindset um from you know where we have to consume so much and we're, we're, we're buying so much um i was actually and i know this won't be like the fun uncle thing to do um but like for my for my niece and nephews i was thinking maybe just do, doing a gift card for for stocks you know um and showing them how they can you know they, letting them pick out what they want uh and 
showing them how they can log in and see how their stock is performing and trying to have some fun with that to get them going. Um, because, you know, if I spend 50 bucks on that now, what's, you know, you know, those kids are young. By the time they're 18, that's going to be worth, you know, a pretty penny for them. Yeah, well, I've already been the least fun uncle. I've During Christmas, I usually give them some educational uh, books. I know like last year I bought my eight-year-old nephew the Squirrel's Manifesto. Just teaches about like money and things like that, like in a, you know, childlike way. And I mean, throughout the year, I definitely give them some fun stuff, though. Um, yeah. But I think it's important to mix in those valuable those actual valuable gifts you know at, at some point you can't just give them they don't need it they don't need more toys they don't need more yeah. ps5 games or whatever you know what i'm saying so you have to kind of mix that in but one thing i did want to uh we don't have to talk about this but it, so real fast before you go into that i just want to let um people know the if you want to gift stocks the gift card the company that sells the stock gift cards is called stockpile and most of the time they're available at like Target, um, Walmart, all those places, but stockpile.com if you want to learn more, if you want to gift somebody stocks. Um, but go, go, go ahead. Well, I was just reading uh, a news story and the title of the news story is Walmart is no longer offering layaway and people are upset. And, yeah. you know, of course, you know, Twitter, you know, the Twitter trolls came out and it's just so funny. It was just one of the comments uh, says, this is a huge blow to working poor people. Layaway mm-hmm. is how we get things when we do not have credit. It is how parents buy clothes and gifts for their kids or how folks buy big ticket items. If we had credit, we wouldn't need layaway. Walmart just gutted so many families' dreams. What do you so... think about that, <laughs> Well, I think I think a couple things. So Walmart still has. Uh, so so I think if when you talk about people saying that like their dream is to have a big extravagant Christmas that they can't afford to pay for now, it really reaffirms that we need to have a mindset shift within our community. Yeah. Um, and I'd be lying. I mean, I'm a kid that grew up that way. You know, like layaway is how we got our school uniforms and uh how christmas was special and and you know my parents were able to make it special when we didn't always have all the money because of programs like layaway but again we're not in like christmas comes at the same time every year um so we 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 have adequate notice to prepare and if we're not prepared it's just a mess It's, it's clearly we can't afford it um so I mean, while it might be painful and we're going to have to rethink how we do Christmas, I, I, I think it's 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 a good move for our community. The other thing is um, layaway. Walmart didn't get rid of layaway. They just don't own their layaway program anymore. Right. They, they so, shifted. They shifted the risk to another company. Um, exactly. And, and why should Walmart hold the inventory for everyone, you know, taking up their space when they, they just want it? You know, they want the inventory out. You know, they're shifting it to a buy now, pay later system, a firm, mm-hmm. I think it is, or maybe clearing up. Um, so, it, but this comment is just so funny to me because it's just like, you know, this is the, like you said, that mindset. This is the only way that, that we could afford these things. But then mm-hmm. the other thing was, if I wasn't poor, then I could use credit to afford these things. That's the other thing. It's just like, so 
you can't afford these things because you're poor. But then if you weren't poor, you're saying that you would go into debt using credit for these yeah. things. I don't use credit. Right. I don't use credit to, to, to buy things for my kids. You know, so it's like either way, it's just like a messed up mindset, you know, and not knowing how to properly use credit or or, or uh, leverage credit, I should say. Um, yeah. And like you said, man, if this is like the big dream is to, you know, provide these big things or go into debt. You know, it's just like, man. Yeah. Just, just and affirm, these com- these buy now, pay later companies like Affirm and Klarna, they don't pull your credit. So they're still accessible for everybody. Yeah. Um, but I was reading. So Target also did the same thing. So Target signed on with Affirm. Um, and I don't think Target offered layaway in the past, but now they do have buy now, pay later. Um, and I was also reading that a firm is working on developing their own debit card, which I find really interesting, right? Because I think this could be really, really dangerous um, for our community. Uh, and so what? What? So the way this will work, and my understanding is you, you still have your normal bank account or whatever through your financial institution. You connect their debit card. You make a purchase. And then you decide, based on that purchase you made on your de- on your debit card, what do you want to pay later, pay for later, and what you want to come out of your bank account. Yeah. So you could be you could be racking up this debt, so you know, so quickly and not even not even know it, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, and the the thing about it is, uh, with the buy now pay later, in a lot of cases, like you're not paying any interest for a certain period of time. But you know, mm-hmm. you know, after 12, 18 months, what happens is you're going to be paying some interest on that, and then you just have all this debt that's old, and people are not thinking about it as debt because oh, I'm not paying interest on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's definitely dangerous. I have a question though. So last week we did uh, the predatory uh, predatory lending. lending. Would you, do you think this is a form of predatory lending? I, I guess what I will say is this: um, whether we want to call it predatory or not, these comp- there's a reason. So there's a huge risk in layaway, right? There's a lot of inventory inventory liability, and I remember, you know as a store manager in retail layaway was a huge hassle for us because we'd have all this product at the end of the season that yeah. people never paid for. Right. Yeah. We were sitting on this inventory. We had to mark down these financial institutions are willing to take this risk because it's, it's extremely profitable. They are making money from you. You yeah. are going to end up paying a lot of fees on the back end. So, um, while I think it's good in some, in first, in some regards to be able to for everyone to have access to lending <sighs> it's dangerous it, 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 I, I think it's ultimately really dangerous for our community um to, to to be able to make purchases that because there's no there's no system to safeguard that you can actually afford to make the purchases that you're making because we're not using credit and i know there's a lot of people think credit is bad but they're not using your credit report or your credit score to gauge if you can afford to pay it back so it's a really a way to skirt um, the lending laws. Yeah, and th- this is why I say education because at some point you cannot. I, there's like not. There, there's only so many laws you can make to try to protect people mm-hmm. from themselves, really. And it's just like yeah. you have to make. No one is forcing you to use a firm. Buy now, pay later. You know, no one is a force forcing you to do that. So that's a decision that you're making on your own to do that to buy things that you can't afford. And yeah. um, 
you know, I I don't know if I see it as predatory. I mean, we we does we we um, define predatory as, you know, I, I forget the exact uh, the exact definition, but I know forty like percent. Yeah, we were talking about the you know the terms, the interest rate. A firm like this is favorable terms. You're talking about zero percent interest for an extended amount of time. Um, I'm sure the terms. I mean, I don't know if there's any you know hidden fees or anything like that. But at the end of the day, no one is forcing you to actual actually click that button when you get to checkout. Yeah, you can use but- your your debit card. Now, if you're saying, yeah. I don't have the money, then I'm going to use a firm. No one is forcing you to do that. I remember... Um, because because this is the thing. I see that too. They're not just targeting just those, a certain population. They're targeting everybody because I see that a firm button. I, 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 you're, you're right. Um, but I remember... So, so last week we talked about... Um, anyway, I, I, I used to work at H&M. And I remember when we started offering Klarna. And so last, so what we talked about last week was how, like, when we were college kids and there were, you know, all these credit card companies marketing to us, right? So when I was working at H&M and I saw that we were going to start offering Klarna, which is buy now, buy now, pay later, I'm like, who's going to use a buy now, pay later? You know, a shirt at H&M is seven bucks, you know? <laughs> um, so why do you need it? There's nothing at H&M that is... Um, Overly that expensive, abs- yeah. <laughs> that that is an absolute necessity. Yeah. On, and and by the way, you can they have a great program where if you have a job interview, you can rent a suit for free. So wow. like, there's nothing at H and M that's absolutely necessary that you need to buy now, pay later. But when you think about a poor shopper and a lot of those young kids that shop at H and M that don't know the importance of debt and credit, and and they see that they can pay for something later, like. You know, those are the people that are going to start getting trapped up in. It just creates a cycle of where you where you think it's okay to live off debt. So I I just like, and I think that's where the danger comes in. But like everything we talk, we talk a lot about delayed gratification, but also individual responsibility. um, I think is so important. Um, I'm not like if I had to like I'm not particularly. I wouldn't say I'm a Democrat. I wouldn't say I'm a Republican. But I think individual responsibility is so important and there's not enough laws that we can write that can protect people to your point. Yeah, but educating yourself, really. I think that's the way Mm -hmm. to protect yourself. All right, cool. So let's uh, get into, I know we have some questions today, but we did want to hit on that topic because I thought it was a, you know, a, a... a topic that you know christmas holidays is coming up you know it, it needed to be talked about yeah all right so uh we got some questions uh we haven't answered questions in a long time so um uh we got some questions that we are going to answer today um and we'll share our opinions so i guess i can kick it off the first one is around should i counter offer my race request after being after being given one um and we're going to start with this because, uh, as you know, D Money and I both work in the HR space, and uh, this is a question I actually have been getting every single—I've been getting questions about raises every single day. <laughs> um, so let's talk about it. So I work at—I work a job getting sixteen dollars an hour as a specimen collector. Recently, I asked for a raise to twenty dollars an hour which was not my goal, of course. I was shooting for $18 an hour. However, today I got a call saying I've been approved for $17 an hour. 
and 20 would be a different position I'd need a, certi a certification for. Now, this was much lower than what I intended, and the company I work for has a lot of money and hasn't, even, hasn't ever been cheap. Would it be weird to email my manager tomorrow countering with $18, or would that be unprofessional or look bad? Thanks. What do you think? Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't think it's unprofessional to, you know, uh, ask for a raise. First of all, I think that's something that we all need to do, um, because if you don't advocate for yourself, then who will? Then you'll just be, you know, getting what you, um, uh, getting what you not really deserve, but getting what, what they're going to give you. And so what I would say, though, is when asking for a raise, I think that there should be some type of justification or some type of um, data that you can provide to support why you're asking for whatever specific number. Right. So if like you want to do if 18, maybe, you know, that other people that, you know, are have similar experience to, uh, to you with the same job, um, maybe they're making $18 an hour, like things like that, mm -hmm. or maybe some type of salary survey or, you know, things like that. So something to justify why, you know, $18, um, I think would increase the case of you being approved for $18. So you think even though she was already, she asked for a raise, she's at 16, they, they gave her a dollar out of cycle. You think she should still push for more? I think she should have the discussion. I, it doesn't seem like there's any type of discussions going on. Like, you know, they're yeah. just saying, hey, this is, yeah, this is your race 17 without a discussion. So I, what I would do is have a discussion of, you know, what, wh why only 17? And maybe in that she could talk about why she wants 18. So I think there needs to be a discussion rather than, you know, just this, it seems like not a lot of communication. Yeah. I, and I, I agree with that. So I'll tell you one thing that I, that is always just as a people leader, as both a people leader and as an, someone in HR that I tend to find annoying is like someone asks for a raise outside of the typical compensation cycle, right? There's usually a certain different levels of approval you need to go through, right? Right. So I always, if you're going to ask for a raise, to your point, come with that data, like in hand, and those reasons for justification. Because when we go to get approval, we're using those things to help get that money approved. So, and then if you're going to counter offer, like for this person in particular, I think I guess what I'm trying to say is I think you've missed the boat because now after I called you and I told you, okay. You ask for this money. We're gonna. Here's what we can. We can do 17 for you to come back to me a week later and say, "Hey, I thought about it, and 17 is not enough." It's actually just irritating because now I'm gonna have to re-engage those people, and we thought this was this was said and done, you know. Yeah. Um, so if you're gonna ask for it, come with all the facts in hand. Um, I and I, I mean, I think at this point. Would it be unprofessional? Not necessarily, but just a little irritating to go back and say, hey, I know you approved me for a dollar a week or two ago, but I got some advice and think 
that I deserve 18 because of this. Now, what you can do, they already told you if you want $20 that, that you need to get a certification for the different positions. So maybe that's what you can start working towards. And maybe the question is, um, do you guys offer any kind of reimbursement if I go uh, enroll in a certification pro- program? You know, are there any kind of schedule scheduling flexibility for me to get the certificate so I can get that $20 an hour because uh, you're asking for a four, uh, $4 an hour boost, which is $8,320 a year. So that, cert- that certificate probably costs a lot less than that. So I would say it's more, it's probably a good idea depending on if you can afford the time commitment to get that certificate, get your $20 an hour and it's going to pay off for you long term. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. All right, cool. What else we All got? Right. All right, cool. So this question is about, is this person saving too much for retirement? Uh, so mm-hmm. this person is 23 years old. Um, they've been a nurse for about a year and a half. No debt, $18,000 in savings, $2,000 in their checking account, and about $30,000 in investments so far, uh, mostly in Roth and 401k. So mm-hmm. they make about six to $7,000 per month. Um, so that's about 84000 per year, give or take. Um, they max out their their Roth uh, plus their 401k. So maxing out the Roth, $6,000 a year. Mm-hmm. 401k, $19,500 a year. Their HSA, which I think is around $3,000. Man, this person is mm-hmm. on fire right now. Now they're looking to boost their uh, brokerage account. So their question is, after all my retirement investments and bills, um, so they have about $900 left uh, you know, for them. Uh, you know, I guess it's extra spending money. So they've been putting $500 into a taxable brokerage account. Um, the problem that they run into is they feel they're putting too much money in their retirement accounts and not enough into their brokerage. Uh, I fear I have made, I may have too much money for retirement and not enough into something I can easily, uh, I can access easily and this will stop me from retiring early or earlier. Should I decrease my uh, 401k contributions and put more into my brokerage? No. Um- well, here's the thing. First of all, shout out to you. You're 23 Man. years old Man. and killing the game. Killing. Most of us don't get here for, <laughs> for, for much longer. This is actually the perfect outline for what we were trying to explain on the investing episode. You're doing everything right. Yes. Um, are you putting away too much for retirement? I say no. You're still contributing to this brokerage account, which will continue to grow, right? Um, the other thing is your money that you're putting in the Roth you can you'll have access to that like you can use that your contributions even before retirement age so if you need to pull that out um you won't be able to pull out your earnings without a penalty but you'll be able to pull out your contributions so i would say i I don't think so what are your thoughts so this is kind of how i look at this so this person is making about eighty four thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. um i would say like this is one thing I don't like about retirement accounts. Like the whole thing of you're putting this money away. You don't want to touch it for 40 years. Like to me, that is kind of ridiculous. Like I don't want to wait for 40 years to touch, to be able to touch a certain pot of money. Right. So for me, if I was this person, I think you are putting too much money in retirement. Uh, Especially if you want to, because this person isn't talking about uh, spending less, uh, uh, contributing less in retirement, and then just going to spend that money on a car or whatever, right? They're talking yeah. about putting money, more money in a brokerage account, another form of investment, which I actually like. So, what I like to look at is 
I like to put no more than 25% of my income in retirement, uh, if I can help it, if, especially if I was around that age. Um, now, of course, this differs depending on what age, but this person is 23. Um, so $25,000 or 25% would be about 21,000 a year. So I, what I would do is I would definitely um, do the 401k uh, match up to you know what the employer matches. I would uh, max out the Roth IRA, so that's 6,000, max out your HSA. And then to get you up to that 25%, maybe um, uh, contribute up to you know more in your 401k up to what it gets you to that 25%, which is $21,000 a year uh, in saving, um, saving, uh, for, for retirement. Now, once you do that, uh, you know, then you can actually do more, you know, in, in retirement, um, well, not, not, not do more in retirement, but do more in, uh, your brokerage because right now, like essentially the most that I would put in retirement, uh, for this person is $21,000 a year. But let's just see how much they're actually putting in. So if they're maxing out uh, their Roth, that's $6,000. They're maxing out the IRA, that's $19,500. Plus, let's just say $3,000 for HSA. Right now, they're putting $28,500. So what I would probably do is max out my HSA, max out my Roth, and only put maybe $12,000 into my 401k. The rest of the money you can put into a brokerage account. I like having a separate part of after-tax money in a brokerage that you can easily access in case, like you said, you wanted to retire early or do other things. I actually like that. Yeah, that's good advice. I think the other thing to keep in mind is you're 23, right? And while you have it figured out at 23, life's going to hit you and things are going to change and the way that you spend your money will change. So if you end up having kids, if you end up... Um, uh, if you end up buying a house, I don't know if you own a house currently, which is a big part of this equation that's not included here. Um, that's going to change where your money is being allocated naturally. So I, I think while you're investing a lot now, it's not it's not the end of the world. It's a, it's a good thing because when life becomes more expensive, you're not going to be able to allocate all this money the way you are right now. Um all right. So before we go to the next question, there's something kind of related I saw um, posted on our, our IG page uh, today that um, I want to address. So someone said that they officially maxed out their 401k for the year, um, which we know is 19,500 for the second year in a row. Um, and I just want to say I want to shout out and say congratulations. But I also um, <laughs> want to drop a little advice for next year. So um because I've actually had, had a couple people at work tell me recently that they ma uh, maxed out their 401ks. Um, you should be proud of that, right? But also keep in mind, you're not getting the match for the rest of the year. Um, so there's money you're leaving on the table. So um, while, you know, putting away a lot of money for retirement is a great idea, you want to make sure you time it so that you don't max out for too early in the year because you're foregoing the employer match. So um, one thing that, I, so let's say you have a big bonus coming up or a big sum of money that's going to hit your paycheck. I usually recommend in, in a lot of cases, unless you have no risk of maxing out, um, stop your 401k contributions before that money hits if it's going to cause you 
to max out before the end of the year because you are leaving money on the table by not getting that employer match for the full year. So I just wanted yeah, to- Yeah, definitely. Good advice. Right. So uh, the next question is around some debt. So this person said, I make up around 40K a year and have around 15K in debt. So here's what they said. I need help. I've accumulated a lot of debt throughout my 20s. I'm 30 now. I'd like to say a lot of it was necessary, but looking back, I w- it was a lot of useless spending that I, that I could have gone without. I own an older truck that has taken some of it, but a lot of it was just carelessness and I didn't look far enough ahead. I've had a steady job at the same place for over eight years. I don't worry about job security at all. And I know that what I make, and I know what I make every paycheck. A strict budget is the first thing that comes to mind, but even with that, I don't see myself getting out of this for a very long time, if at all, and it's a lot to deal with. I'm hoping someone out there <laughs> has a similar experience, that I, um, but I just need some help. Uh, can you offer any insight? Um, so what are your thoughts? 15K so, in debt, they make 40K a year. Okay, so... Um... I'm going to um, steal a phrase from Dave Ramsey. You're going to need to be on a rice and beans diet for the mm-hmm. next year or two. Um, but even with that, too, can you find a second job or a second opportunity, something? We need to get that income up to, uh, you know, to make some more money. Maybe you could drive Uber, I don't know, to make an extra, you know, $15,000 uh, in a year or, or so. So I think for me, this is a combination of reducing your expenses as much as you possibly can and increasing your income every little bit helps. And then of course, being um, disciplined to throw all that extra money to the debt. You know, it's, it's not gonna be an easy solution, but unfortunately you have to make uncomfortable decisions, you know, given, you know, the situation you're in. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's clear for you. You told us in the question that you don't have a budget, and you know that that's the first step. Um, yeah. So you you gotta figure out where your money is going currently, and once you look at it holistically, and you re- you look at your bank statements for the last few months, you can see exactly where your money's going and where you can cut because. Like this person has really thought about the fact that like looking back at the time and this is exactly what we were talking about with the layaway in the Christmas situation, right? When you're spending that money, you think it's the necessity and you think it's so important. But when you reflect on it, you see that a lot of it was carelessness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you got to fi- figure out a way to make more money. There's a lot of stuff on actually TikTok, um, a lot of good ideas uh, to generate income. Um, but you, you've got to build a budget and, and slim down your expenses. Uh, and one thing we talked about last last week was um, your housing. How much you know? Start there. How much are you spending on housing? How do you reduce that? That should be your biggest expense. Uh, maybe eating out less. But dig into you. You've got to dig into your finances and figure out um, and, and set a budget that's reasonable for you. It's doable. Yeah, definitely. 15k on a um on on forty thousand dollars a year, you certainly can pay that back. It may take a couple oh, yeah. of years, but it's definitely doable. Yeah, it's definitely doable. All right. So this next one uh, deals with uh, mortgage. So does it mm-hmm. make sense to make bigger mortgage payments if you plan on moving? So uh, this question is: I'm about five years into my thirty year mortgage, a bit ahead from 
doing bi-weekly payments with some extra tacked on. If I want to move in the next five years, would I be better off investing in the S&P 500 instead? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Um, that equity is yours. So, um, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. I think, you know, the way we know that your, your, your home will continue to grow. You're going to continue to grow equity in your home. Um, home prices continue to increase. So I definitely think that doing that is not a bad move. Um, investing in the S&P 500, uh, honestly, looking at last year, <laughs> they both, they had a very similar gain. So I don't think there's a there's a wrong answer here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think uh, uh, one, one piece of the pie we're missing is we don't know what that interest rate is. Like, yeah. let's just say if your interest rate, you say you've been in your home for five years. So five years ago, I think interest rates were in the Liar. four, but maybe you're in, in a three or maybe you, you refinance. I don't know. So if you're in like a 2% or a 3% interest rate, I mean, honestly, like me, I would not be, you know, paying off that that mortgage early, um, especially if you're going to move. Um, uh, we don't know if you have any other debts or anything like that. If you have any other debts, I definitely wouldn't be paying off the mortgage early. I would be any extra money would be going into um, to those other debts. But assuming you don't have any debts because you're talking about investing in SP 500. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, me like at a 2% or a 3% interest rate, I would probably honestly, um, I would probably honestly, uh, invest in the stock market over, uh, paying off, uh, the mortgage. Cause the other thing you got to think about is inflation. You know, that, that, that mortgage payment is getting eroded by inflation, mm -hmm. um, because your mortgage is probably fixed and, mm -hmm. um, Hopefully. you know, you're, you're getting, probably raises at work, you know, and your mortgage payment stand is actually the same. So in most cases, I don't get why people try to pay off, you know, uh, mortgages uh, early. I guess it's, it's not a wrong thing to do, but it's just so much different things Dave, you can do. Dave Ramsey tells them to do it. <laughs> but it's just, it's just the opportunity cost. Just look at the opportunity yeah. cost. Like if you're, if you're paying 2.5 to 3% interest, but maybe, you know, on average that S&P makes eight, you're losing 5% of interest right there. Plus, you know, the inflation that's, you know, probably eroding that debt even further, you know? So that's how I would play that. Mm -hmm. Got it. Good advice. All right. Um, last question is around credit. So how can I fix my credit score when I don't, no one will give me a credit card. I don't even have to read it. There's a question. Um, long story short, I was stupid and my ex got me into debt. Mm -mm -mm. I had no clue about, I, I had, so I had no clue about the debt before we divorced a year after our divorce. I had a debt collector letter come to my new apartment and found out I was well over 5k in the hole and have been for over two years. I finally Paid things off now, but my credit score is obviously abysmal. I tried to apply uh, around at everything I could think of to get a new credit card so I can improve things, but um, I'm always rejected. What can I do? Uh, how can I improve my score? Um, I plan to use the credit card when I get it for everyday purchases. Uh, I need as I have the money for it as I can pay it off first thing. Um, so how does this person... So first of all, I... 
you should have called us before you paid off that creditor <laughs> right oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think so honestly uh you know i look don't don't get duped into thinking that there's a uh, magic wand that you can do to increase your credit score within 60 days you know honestly the the way to increase your credit score is is constant on-time payments not maxing out your credit cards you know paying your bills on time and honestly like that's what i would suggest here so if you have any other uh either debt or payments that are on your credit report make sure you continue to pay those um uh, the other thing is what you could probably do is get a secure credit card where you have to put up a little bit of co- collateral, maybe a bank account or something like that, you know, with a mm-hmm. credit union. And then you can start building your credit that way and, you know, using it for everyday per- uh, purchases. Now, since you've already paid off a creditor, you know, I'm sure it's showing up as a negative on your credit report. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the, the clock is ticking on that. I mean, you could try to contact them and ask them to you know take it off your your credit um it's free to do that um but they don't have to you know um and that's going to be on your credit report unfortunately you know if 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 you didn't pay there's a little bit more leverage that you actually would have had to Mm -hmm. get them to take that off before you paid uh the debt yeah so um i'll tell you one thing i've tried that has worked for me for me in the past um (laughs) so uh, so a couple things, Google debt removal letters, and I recommend sending letters to both the creditor as well as to, um, as well as to the credit bureaus that are, that are listing the debt. And there's a chance that you, that they, that they will remove it. Um, if the creditor can't prove that you, you were the one that signed up for the debt, which it sounds like you weren't, you weren't aware of it, um, I've called a, a, a creditor in the past and said, hey, I paid this debt off under false pretense. I was told that this was my debt. It was my responsibility. And actually, I was not aware of it. Um, and like I got them to escalate it and they actually um, reversed my payment and removed it from my credit score. Um, so you know, try making a phone call, seeing if you can get on the phone with the right person and, and they will help you. It's, it's a lot harder now that you've paid it off. But um, I agree with what he said, which is, um, you know, time, seven years seems like a long time. You just reset the clock when you paid it. Uh, but this will, it, based on what you wrote in this letter, you don't need to have a credit card. <laughs> well, <yeah>. um, <laughs> uh, so, um Time will heal it, you know, try to get that secured credit card and also, you know, programs like Experian Boost where you're getting credit for making on-time payments every month, you know, sign up for stuff like that. Um, But seven years isn't a long time. Just make sure everything else is impeccable. And as time goes on, you will see that your score will increase the more on-time payments you make. All right. So what's D... Loving this week. You know what? I'm going to bring this one back. I am loving YNAB, especially considering everything that we talked about today. Budgeting is the key, especially as you got Christmas coming up. I think budgeting your money um, and and really budgeting out for, you know, those for different specific, you know, items 
in specific categories is going to get you ahead. Do not go into debt. Do not go into 2022, like racking up new debt. Like there's no reason for it. So that's all I'm gonna say. So YNAB, you need a budget, YNAB.com. Love it. All right, my stock pick, again, I'm gonna bring it back to one that I've recommended in the past. I keep doing these weed stocks, but they're making me money. Um, So GRWG Grow Generation, Uh, I talked about this a while ago, and this is a stock, um, so they sell hydroponic and um, organic um, gardening products. So pretty much you can grow without soil. It's water-based growing. This company is growing because, as you know, uh, marijuana becomes is c- continues to become legalized in different states. Uh, and because it's not legalized on a federal level, um, this, these weed dispensaries can't take the product over state lines. So you have to have these growers locally. Um so, uh, so one thing that they recently did, why I'm recommending this stock again, in addition to the fact that it's continued to make me money, is they have just partnered with another company to create an accelerator program uh, to provide education and training for uh, groups that were impacted by the drug wars, so that they can, um, so veterans, minorities, women, women can start, um, you know, become educated and start grow- growing um, the marijuana on their own. So uh, I like that they have taken something negative like the war on drugs and they're reinvesting in those communities so that the people that were impacted by that um, can now make money now that weed is legal in a lot of these places. Um, they also continue to expand and acquire more, um, more hydroponic retailers. So the company continues to grow. Uh, last quarter, they increased by 190% year over year and same store sales were up 60%. So the financials are very solid. Um, and as long as y'all keep smoking, they'll keep growing. <laughs> cool. All right, man. All right. So, uh, okay. Y'all know next Tuesday, we'll be back with some more new newness for you. But thanks for tuning in. Don't blow all your money on Christmas gifts. All right. Peace out. <laughs> Later.